welcome every single one of you to Big Woods Bible Church. Those of you that have gathered, made efforts. Thank you as well for the team that set everything up. There's a lot of work. Thank you and welcome to those that are traveling and joining us online. Welcome to those that are watching in other countries as well. And we rejoice in that. I don't think in the course of the busyness of a week we realize what God is doing and what God has planned for us in this time together as the word is open. And the spirit speaks to us, all of us, through the preached word. It is a privilege that I am most humbled and terrified every single time I open this word. My concern is that it be done with great care. I need help. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we look into his word this morning? Father, we love you and we thank you for another day. You've, in your grace, given to us. Thank you for voices that have been lifted up in praise to you. Thank you for your presence here with us, your word, your spirit. Father, we pray right now for those that are going through difficult seasons. Lord, my heart this morning is just um, together with brothers and sisters pleading out for watch care over dear little Aaron as he faces surgery tomorrow. May you surround him with your presence and may he sense a peace from you. May your perfect will be accomplished. We praise you, Lord, for amazing answers to prayer with John Ketchis going through surgery and doing so well. We see your hand of blessing. We thank you for this church that has stood faithfully upon the full counsel of the word of God. I pray, Lord, that today you would be glorified with our efforts as we look at your word. Listen, learn, and apply the truth. Please, please help me. Give me the confidence and the strength and the clarity that is so desperately needed. We ask this now in the amazing, matchless, and wonderful name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm kind of struck by the fact that summer is like, like racing. We have been outside for many weeks. We've been focusing on the importance of gathering together, why corporate's worship matters. The last several weeks we've been talking about the subject of giving together, why corporate stewardship matters. And so we've looked at certain ideas of what is stewardship. And we realize that what God owns it all. God owns everything, and, and we're just managing what he has entrusted into our care. We've learned about the fact that our heart always goes where we put God's money. We've looked at the fact that, and we've paused on this, that, that heaven is our home. Heaven, not here, not earth. Heaven is our home. Life is short. Eternity is forever. This morning, what I want to do is build upon those stewardship principles or understanding what stewardship is by reminding you that stewardship, like life, hold on to this, is a lot about God and a little about you. Stewardship, just like all of life, is a lot about about God and a little 
about you. Which means what? It's always about God's kingdom over our own little kingdom. It's always about God's will over our own will. We hear and we certainly agree with the fact that you matter. There's no doubt about that. But let me remind you to not let that go to your head. You matter, but Christ always matters more. Remember that. As we look at a text of scripture, I, I want to kind of just back up a little bit and kind of create the setting and the scene for you. We're going to read in Mark chapter 12. Some of you here may be familiar with the final week of ministry and Jesus's ministry here on this earth. We know that Sunday he rides into Jerusalem, people shouting Hosanna. Friday, the same crowd, what is shouting crucify him. It's that week in between. Monday, we know that Jesus goes to the temple and he literally cleans house. And, and somewhere on Tuesday or Wednesday of that week is where we are here in Mark chapter 12. He, he goes to the temple, as he always does, and he's been teaching. And we know that the Jewish religious leaders have questioned him, have criticized him, have examined him to try to trick him and trap him in some way. But Jesus is having none of it. Jesus is the one that is in full authority. His father's perfect will will be perfectly revealed. In this particular scene today that we will read in this particular setting and time and text, there's a powerful lesson that teaches us that within the idea of stewardship is this image, is this picture of sacrifice. Mark chapter 12, pick it up with me. The words will not be in front of you on the screen. We pick it up in verse 41, read down through the end of the chapter. Mark chapter 12. 41. And he, speaking of Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contribute out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. It's a scene that is being unfurled in front of Jesus. You've been there before where you have seen something before that is awe-inspiring. It, it, it just silences you. And people go to great lengths. They travel to Niagara to see it or the Grand Canyon or to Everest to just pause at this awe-inspiring view. And then there's what? There's everyday things. that we just stop and pause at a baby born, if you've witnessed it, it's just awe-inspiring. A simple field that is filled with sunflowers. It's, it's the normal little things around us that sometimes we just stop and we stare in awe. T today, it's one of those moments. But what's interesting here is that there's the one, the one who spoke everything into existence. Remember this, creation. By the Father, in the Son, through the Spirit. Now God incarnate 
the one who, who created everything, he sits and he stares in awe about what true stewardship and sacrifice and worship looks like. And he teaches us. And what's amazing is that it's not what you think. It's not the, it's not the gifted musician. It's not the, the, the muscled or it's not the beautiful. It's not the great artist. What it is, it's a, it's a quiet, simple, subtle act, a movement, a giving of true sacrifice. That is true worship. And he sat opposite the treasury and watched the people putting into the offering box. First thing is what? Jesus watches. He just watches. Now, we have been raised since little ones, what? It is not polite to stare. And don't tell me you stare. We all do. Waiting what? Just sitting on a bench somewhere and waiting. Something's delayed. I didn't realize that I'd be sitting here so long. And we've all done it. It's kind of like what? Sitting in a restaurant and we pretend to be reading our menus. And we just peer over and we literally stare. Like, what is going on? What is she doing? No one could possibly eat that much ketchup at one time. And we just stare. That's what's happening here. Get a look. Get a look at that. Did you see him? What was she thinking? It had been several intense hours of Jesus speaking, and now he just sits. Finally, to take a break. He's in the Temple Mount. He's between the, the women's court and the court of the Gentiles, or the ethne, the court of the nations. And, and it's the gate beautiful is where he's at. And it's a quiet spot. Remember, it's Passover, so the place is teeming with people. And it's almost like Jesus just kind of slides away to sit to take a break. Find some shade, get some rest, regain strength, a quiet place. And that's when he sees this woman, this widow. And I think, I think he's at some level watching her because there's a sense of care and concern. Remember just prior to that, Jesus talks and warns the Pharisees, don't ever, what, be those ones who devour a widow's house. Don't, don't ever target the weak. Don't ever take advantage under any circumstance. So Jesus watched it's hard to kind of picture it today in in the treasury uh, attached to the wall are, are 13 brass receptacles they're in the shape of of a trumpet and each one kind of hanging on the wall has different purposes you can put money in for for oil that would be used within the temple or for wood for the fires Money that would be used for wine or, or food, whatever is needed in the temple. And we know that Jesus is an excellent, excellent observer of human behavior. That's why he's such an excellent communicator. And he doesn't just see what's happening, but he sees specifically as to who is doing it. He sees the individual. 
I think it's a wonderful reminder that we see throughout the pages of Scripture, Job chapter 34. For his eyes are on the ways of a man. You, you realize that, like, at this very moment, like last night, late, early tomorrow morning, Psalm 33, the Lord looks down from heaven and he sees all of the children of man. Hebrews chapter 4, and no creature is hidden from his sight. We need to be reminded of that. Do, do you realize that Jesus is watching you? Not in a, like, creepy way. In a concerned way. Jesus has compassion for you. He is concerned about your soul. How much attention you are giving to him. Jesus is concerned whether or not you're acknowledging him and his lordship. Jesus is concerned about your eternal destination. He is watching you. But right here and right now he sees and he speaks on a topic that is of relevance. It is of eternal significance. And it's this, in this particular case, it has to do with the idea of giving, of offering, of sacrificial worship. Now, we know back years ago, there, there's no, there's no what? There's no paper bills, the way that you take something out of your wallet. There's no checks to be written. There's no church envelope system. There's no click to give online. There's nothing like that. There's no debit cards. So the primary means, the primary mode that offering was given was, were, were coins. Today we'd say like, that is totally impractical. That's how people held money. Hold on to money. And, and so people oftentimes would, would sit and not just see, but they would actually here, remember the brass receptacles. And so if there was what, a bag, you'd hear like a thunk, a thud. Or you'd hear this little like, this little what clinking sound, like just something tiny went in. Must have been amazing for people to be sitting there thinking, what is Jesus thinking? What does he have to say about these fabulously rich people who are giving large and enormous amounts of money? Man, he must be impressed with that. But that's not what caught Jesus' attention. Instead, what? what? What caught his attention? A poor widow came up and put in two small copper coins, two mites. One translation says, which make a quadrant. In Greek, it's the lepta. It literally translates thin one. Two of them to make one penny. And I am quite certain and confident in saying that there was not a lot of fanfare with this particular event, this scene. I'm guessing what? She's a widow. Well beyond the years. Probably not real attractive, probably not dressed very, very well. Widows oftentimes were at the bottom of a heap of needy people in that particular social economic scale. Maybe she was older, maybe she walked with a limp or with a, the help of a cane or a stick, shuffling up slowly. Ever get stuck behind an old person before and like, come on now. Maybe her head is down. Maybe at some level she's even a little bit ashamed or embarrassed because she doesn't have a lot in comparison to the other offerings that are given. And she what? She reaches up. 
And she drops in her measly, meager little offering. But Jesus saw something. Not only does, not only does Jesus watch, but when Jesus sees something here, Jesus teaches. First he watches, then he teaches. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, that word is, it translates amen, which we would use the word amen. So, so think about this. He called his disciples and he said, amen, amen. This poor widow has put in more than all. Now you've been there, right? In those all inspiring moments. What, what is interesting is that's why we wear our phones out. Because we see something beautiful or we see something that we want to capture or hold on to it and we take a picture. Why? Because you want other people to see it. I saw a beautiful sunset, but, but my wife was not there. And so what happens? We take a picture to kind of seal the moment. We want other people there. And as Jesus saw this awe-inspiring moment, he, want, he calls together his disciples. Matthew, come here. Thomas, Bartholomew, wake Peter up. James and John and Andrew, get a load of this. Check this out. It says that there were lots of people, many rich people giving lot, put in large, the word is puyo, sums. It means literally what? Put in much. Jesus was very quick here to get to the point. Jesus, in a sense, leans into those disciples in this teaching moment. He says, you know what? That's not what I'm looking for. That's not what my father is looking for. That's not what he wants. That's certainly not what he needs. Instead, see that little old lady there? The one kind of shuffling back to, to, to hide in the crowds. See that little one? She got it right. Truly, amen, amen. She got it. Somebody's listening. Jesus, ultimate communicator, never misses a teaching moment, gathering his disciples close by, leans in and think about what is being revealed here. This is what God incarnate, the Son of God, the long-awaited, promised Messiah, the soon-to-be sacrificial Lamb of God, the Savior of the world, the great I Am, the Alpha and Omega. He's pulling everything together, and he leans in, just as he's speaking to you and I this morning, and he says, you know what? It's not about the amount. It's about the attitude. It's not the amount. It's about the attitude. It is, what? It is an amazing reversal of what the disciples would have thought from their point of view, from their vantage points. An unexpected blessing and encouragement to this poor little lady. And what? A biting, scathing rebuke. It must have been for the many self-righteous rich people. You see, it was here that what? The wealthy were caught. And the widow was commended. 
Why? Be- it's explained it because it says that they gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty. Do you understand what this means here? Why is this text before us? Why do we examine the subject of stewardship and worship? This old lady, you understand, by giving out of her poverty, is not struggling with the temptations that other people are struggling with. She's not struggling with materialism and comfort. She doesn't think it's all about me. She was showing what? It's all about God. He matters. She adored him. Where is she? She's in the temple. She desires to worship. What is she doing? She is offering the little tiny bit that has been entrusted into her care in sacrifice. So we examine that and we're like, wait, but like, but how do we, where do we start? Very, very simple. The application of the word of God asks the question this, are you giving out of your abundance or are you giving out of your poverty? Are you giving out of your abundance or are you giving out of your poverty? Now, I ask that question, why? Why is this so difficult? We live in a nation and we live in a time, in a culture, in a context of unprecedented and unbelievable wealth. Your lifestyle, regardless of how tight it might be this particular week or this particular month, your and my lifestyle, what? We live in the upper 5% of the entire world's population when it comes to wealth. The access that we have to turn on a spigot and have fresh, cold water that we can drink, the majority of the world does not have access to that. Our fridges are full. Yeah, but I was low on orange juice this morning. No, we'll have orange juice the next day. Our what? Safe highways. Schools and supermarkets and sports stadiums and closets filled with clothes. A little wake-up call here that the majority of the world does not live the way that you and I do. The bottom line is, wait a minute, nobody's dropping in. Nobody here can afford to drop in an offering basket, bags of silver and gold. So that's just like beyond us. Like, so how do we hold on to this? What do we do this? What do we do with this? Why, why this text? We have to handle with care all of Scripture. We have to be very careful to be very accurate to the truth of the word of God. And we know when it comes to this particular subject of giving, of money, of stewardship, of finances, there has been incredible damage that has been done. Sadly, under the guise of or in the name of Jesus or God or church. And many people, pastors, and elders and televangelists have manipulated and have robbed and have coerced and have stolen, have been mo- nothing more than what I would say are pathetic peddlers of prosperity 
theology. And they have what? Literally squandered and stolen millions upon millions of dollars for themselves. What does Jesus say here? He says what? God sees it all. And he will judge. Matter of fact, it says those who devour widows' houses, they will receive greater condemnation. So you know all the people that are pleading, like just give a little bit more and you'll get a little bit more. I mean, years ago watching a televangelist on TV and, and apparently Mr. Camera Guy made a little bit of an error or a mistake and they zoomed in at the wrong time and with his gold cufflinks, you could see dollar signs. Hey, a little bit of a dead giveaway, man. And that's what people are thinking here at some level. Jesus is saying, those ones who don't teach and treat this subject appropriately and properly, they will receive greater condemnation. And this is not a, like, oops moment for Jesus. Jesus is ticked. The day before he cleans out his father's house. I don't want this going on here. You don't take advantage of people ever. You don't ever give anything to impress. You don't ever teach. The more you give, the more you get. No, that's false teachers. Let me remind you of this. We all, in God's grace, are privileged to give. Why? Because we have simply been given to. That's, that's why we have an opportunity and a blessing to worship like that. Just because God is lavishly, what? Poured mercies that are new every day. Grace that is sufficient for this very moment. Understanding that in my sinful nature, in myself, in my flesh, and your flesh, you and I deserve to be eternally separated from God and to suffer eternal torment in a literal hell. It says that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You and I deserve that because we are sinners in the sight and presence of a holy God. And yet, I don't know why. I still can't figure this out. I don't know why. But God looks at you and me as weird as you are. In my own sinfulness. And God says, I love that person. I love him. I love her. Regardless of all the stupid things that we've ever done, the stupid things we've ever said, God in his marvelous, amazing grace says, I love. I love this one so much. I'm going to offer my own son to suffer and die, to bear the full weight of what? The wrath that we deserve. And God has given to us through the presence of his spirit and the clarity and truth and the power of his word an opportunity to hear there is hope even in the midst of our lostness. That there is a means and a way that we don't have to live in fear of what is to come by way of eternal separation. That when we put our faith in the fact that Jesus is the Savior of all mankind and we trust him with our sin to pay the payment that we cannot pay, that we surrender and submit, we live and strive toward obedience and follow him as Lord of our life, 
that God in his grace has given all of that to us that we simply want act like this poor little lady to say, just have it, just have it, just have it. Because we understand what heaven, not, not earth, is our home. And we know that what you all matter, but God matters a whole lot more. What are some of the takeaways here? I promise to stay within. Our giving is to be measured not by the amount. Our giving is to be measured by the sacrifice. How much it costs us, like this little old lady. What are takeaways here? We are to offer not with a sense of reluctance or, or compulsion or an obligation. Well, I better. No, not with that. But we are to offer everything, the gifts that God has given to you. How are you, as a follower of Jesus, offering your gifts, the things that you do well, that you love to do, how are you offering that back to the Lord? Let me ask the question, what is your ministry? What are you involved in as far as giving out? Uh, no, I just show up on Sunday and I just, I, I just sing and like we do that. No, I'm sorry. That's not with the church of Jesus Christ. That's not, not, not why Jesus died. Okay, you're part of the body of Christ, which means that what? We have jobs to do. We live in a community that is totally wrecked and confused with what's next. And they're terrified. God has given to us the offer and the solution of hope. What are you doing? What ministry are you personally involved in? How are you giving in a place that sacrifices for God's kingdom that matters for eternity as opposed to your own little kingdom that is what? Fleeting and temporary. We are to give finally in a way that, that Christ sees it and, and not man. That, that he is the one that is our focus. I just, I just have to think here. And I love to kind of create pictures in my mind and, and kind of go back to where Jesus is sitting and watching and he gathers his disciples. I, I have to believe that as that old lady, that widow shuffled up and raised her hands and dropped in her two little mites, I have to think that if she did that, she was just smiling from ear to ear. That she had such joy in her heart because she's like, have it, have it. We are told in scripture what each man, each woman, each person should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And I'll end with this. For God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. This morning, may we learn an important lesson as Jesus watches and Jesus teaches. And he said, that's what it looks like right there. That lady got it right. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. Examine your heart. And if there is, a, if there is one beat that says, yeah, I'm just not real happy in this whole idea, then, then, then don't give. The Lord loves a cheerful giver.
Father, we love you. We thank you for your patience with us, your grace with us, your love that you lavish, your mercies. We thank you, Lord, for this reminder and this dear woman who teaches us an important and needed lesson. Help us to follow her example in your strength. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.